All of our files are free and will remain free. If you like the show, you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the pay link on our webpage. Thanks. And welcome back to the second part of our talk here with a Native American elder on, well, now we're going to move to the ancient stuff. Yeah. And your book, when I look at the symbolism, the figures here, right? For example, Mm -hmm. here on page 77, Mm -hmm. nice number, (laughs) we have uh, the 20 day signs and Aztec names and symbols of the sacred counts. It strikes me how similar this is to Egyptian. Just to reiterate the point about Plongeon, because they too had uh, these symbols that are multifunctional, like it's usually, it's very often like a depiction of some kind of animal. Not always. I mean, you have a movie. Yeah. May I? Yeah, Lupin. Uh, what you're looking at is a software program. Right, right. And it, it's very cleverly designed so that a nine-year-old will not confuse the 13 digits with the 20 other digits. They are alligators and dogs and right. eagles. And so they have, they have very cleverly made it easy for a nine-year-old to learn this program. Mm. Huh? Mm. Yeah, very clever. Well put. It makes sense when you put it like that. Not only that, but... They do so many things with it. It it names the days, mm. it names the years, mm. it names the people, the errors. The they they use this for for their accounting system. Mm. And it, it's strange that that should be the shell, uh, that that particular mathematics should be the shell of the our speed of travel, hmm? our speed of rotation. Mm. Uh, Right. Among many, many, among many other things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I see a connectivity going on there that it's 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 hard to get your mind around because it has so many different aspects and they connect in such different ways. Um, but I could, if I had a thirteen pass, I could walk to Pluto. <laughs> if I could turn that into thirteen something, uh, I I could walk my way all the way to Neptune. Yeah, with, you mean uh, you, you would have the route. You would have the GPS uh, instructions to get there. Exactly, exactly, mm. exactly. Mm. And, and and that's what, like, I can see that if I can get this uh, guy Cliff High to take some of this data, what I've done is, and he's into this too, because he understands the importance of language. Yeah. Uh, and it, what I'm doing is trying to translate this into different language so that from the language, I get back more information. And so by translating one thing into the motions or, or something of, of, of another thing, I can describe it in different ways. And then that data will tell me things that I didn't know before. Like, uh, okay, but, but but tell me this. Uh, would you say that the Mayan calendar is exclusively Mayan, or did all the native Indians share the same basic system? They may have had some different representations, of course, like language. Excellent question. Yes. Now, now head, head on that one, Lauren. <laughs> give, my, us a, my, give us a story my, of Chief Seattle, for instance. <laughs> 
my answer to that is this. This is this is a relic. This is knowledge passed down from someone who knew these things and they knew it all. That it's not an accident that these things turned out to be, you know, uh, what we're just finding out on the daily as the news comes in or science uh, reports comes in. Yes, that is that figure. Well, how does that, how, how can that coincidence be? No, they had a, a knowledge of the universe that was passed down to us. And I can only imagine that this existed uh, prior to the last ice age. But they, they, they knew, they knew the math, this mathematics, and just as it's described for us in Sumerian terms, they had a technology to deal with it. Look up that Dorchester pot. Look at that thing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Better. So, uh, more or less, the Mayan version is what has survived uh, for us today. It's just a Mayan version of it. Well, you know, actually. I think the Zapotec and the Olmec and the Maya were all uh, using this this kind of a calendar. Right. And they, it, to my mind, this has survived from a previous time. But I've heard the Hopi Indians has an advanced calendar. Is that the same or is that something else? I beg your pardon? The, you know the Hopi, I don't know how you say it, Hopi, Hopi Indians? Yeah. The Hopi. Yeah, yes. the Hopi. Hopi. Oh, they have a. Is that the same calendar, or is there something else? Uh, no, they don't. They, you know, I worked with the Hopi for a time, and you're not going to go into their kivas and learn what they know. Mm. They're very closed mm. there, so I can't. I'm not an expert on how they use the calendar. I do know they are. Uh, they're very closed in in that regard. They keep their their ceremonies and their knowledge secret. Mm. So actually, it's interesting. I don't know if I mentioned it in the last um, interview we did, Lauren, but I had a encounter with Joni Mitchell about that and uh, one of their ceremonies around the quickening. But they are interesting, and they do invite some people into some of that knowledge. But I, I you know, it's obvious Lauren understands that they don't uh, give you the details. Let's just say. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. But we are in the time of the quickening, and that is something that is integral to their calendar system, and it's it's symbology that appears in in, in interesting ways. So, for instance, the the quickening is really about um, our adoption of the electromagnetic system and its impact on humanity and the Earth over the next little while, and that started in the 90s. And uh, Joni Mitchell was at a ceremony that that initiated that the beginning of the quickening, and she told me about it. I mean, I'll talk about that some other time, but that's just an offside story. But anyway, yeah, they, they have some interesting topics, but I have never seen anything about their calendar system numerically, mathematically whatsoever. Mm. But they, they speak in, in symbology, uh, which is essentially just um, shapes, right, mm. that, that, that appear in astounding ways. Uh, and we can get into that another another time, but that's just to add to what Lauren is saying. Mm. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, I just made an observation of how similar it was to Egyptian because they too had multifunctional uh, symbols that they used. Well, I just I just shared with you uh, 1,400 years of continuous contact. Uh, yeah, I think that case is uh, we can close that case. 
Yeah, but do you think do you think it's like a, a a common source, or do you think they also visited each other during? I mean, in the aftermath. Mm, okay, that's the big question, right? Because because even if it's a common source, they may not have had contact, and it develops very separately. But like you say, there is evidence of stuff in Americas that are brought over from the rest of the world. Um, and hang on, hang on. There are so many uh, One more point. There's also the opposite. There's evidence of Americas, uh, things from Americas in the rest of the world. You mentioned the cocaine in the mummy. And uh, we might as well also mention, uh, for example, stuff that Vikings had, mm-hmm. uh, notwithstanding cannabis seeds. There's no evidence that Vikings went to India. But if it's true what you say that You've had uh, cannabis, if not forever, at least for a very long time. Obviously, it has to come from from America, where so much other stuff came from, like mace, you know, corn yeah. that they brought to to the Roslyn Chapel. So this this indicates mutual contact even after the big fall during the Ice Age. Um. I'm under the impression that they were coming and trading uh, continuously. Mm. Al, there are so many things about Maya cosmology that are just identical to the Egyptian belief. Like, for example, the the Pharaoh is supposed to uh, be reincarnated in the skirt of Orion. Well, that's exactly the same um, place where the Maya twins resurrect their father from a the carapace of a turtle shell, the constellation they call Ak, which is really the Orion Nebula. Um, there, Pakal is headed there. Uh, that's where he's supposed to go. Mm. Now, why would they both have this belief that their leader is going to reincarnate in the skirt of Orion? Um and that's just one of, of many things. And it's very specific. Yes, it is. Yes, well, it's not very just specific location. It's the exact same myth with different names. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes, and we can go on and on with that one, too, because, you know, uh, all of these stories that Western tradition had thought were their own, uh, particularly the ones in the Bible or the, uh, uh, the Torah, we find that those are just the retelling of previous stories. Mm. And the same could be said of the legend of uh, the city of the gods of Teotihuacan. Huh? Mm-hmm. That is a retelling of a story from Samaria. It's the retelling of the story of the Agigi uh creating hey, slow, a slow down uh, Lauren. what is that story tell us that story as it from the perspective of Teotihuacan and then correlate it to the Sumerian give us the details on that. Uh, very well the they would give us the idea that the world has ended and the fires have gone out and the gods assembled there at Teotihuacan to to do to do something and they finally conceived that, that one of them would have to die to give his life to, uh, to, to create a new world. And uh, they were all too weak to do that. But one old man came forward and he jumped in the fire and created, uh, and I think maybe some others followed him and brought this world into being. 
But that is the, the same story that the Sumerians tell us of when they were rebelling against working in the gold mines. Yeah. Um, they realized they needed a worker. They realized they needed a a genetic code that someone would have to sacrifice themselves. And, and, and one of them did that. But it's a retelling of that same story. And no one has pointed that out, to my knowledge, anyway. But it's it's like uh, uh, you know the story of the uh, you know the story of uh, in the Bible where I don't know where the guy's name is Belum or something like that, and he's riding along on his uh, on his uh, beast of burden, and uh, the animal stops, and he starts kicking the the beast to go on, and the Lord opens up the mouth of the beast and he speaks. And he says, why are you kicking me? Can't you see the sword of the Lord uh, hanging over the path? Is there anything strikes you strange about this story? <laughs> Apart from a speaking horse? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, one, that one too. Well, the rebellion <laughs> against the uh, labor, let's say. Well, how about if I told you the story this way? We were driving down the road and one of those... Uh, Tesla kind of thing deals, and uh, ah. the vehicle just all of a sudden stopped. Right. I started kicking the computer and and bitching, and and Siri comes on and says, "Why are you kicking me? We tripped a uh, an electronic beam, and if we proceed, we're going to get disintegrated." <laughs> Now, which is believable to you? Well, obviously, the last one everybody gets in these days. Well, this is the way that when I read the translation of uh, Sitchin, mm-hmm. and then I read the translation of uh, some of these other guys, they're telling the story from what they conceive in their paradigm. Mm. I like Sitchin's version a whole lot better when uh, when he's describing uh, Gilgamesh encountering the electric I-beam and uh, tearing up the machinery and the guy who's supposed to be guarding the place. I like that version of the story better than the one that just does not explain the facts, mm. you know, as played out. Mm. How, old, uh, how old do you think these stories really are? Because there is a schism, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> There is a schism in the ancient uh, research circles that some th- uh, want to go back millions and millions of years until we an- encounter something truly advanced, whereas others say, no, no, it's sufficient to go back uh, like 12,000 years or whatever. Yeah, 12,000. Oh, they say 12,000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, in what I have here, I can go back, I think, uh, 471,000 years is that right Four hundred seventy-one thousand. yeah i believe well that's the king's well that's that's going to be well within mainstream time scales because homo sapiens officially has been around unchanged for three hundred thousand years they always backdate it and backdate it so uh and we know cremo and everything so i believe it's millions of years but Officially, you are on safe grounds if you say 300,000. So 400,000 isn't a big stretch within official mainstream paradigm. Oh, it's recorded history. Yeah. It, well, I mean, the, the real question, Learn, is how long do you think it goes back? Yeah. Well, I'm trying not to 
If I impose my paradigm on the evidence, it will get pretty cloudy. The best that I can do is say that, hey, this is the re- this is what it says. And do I buy that? Do I not buy it? Well, as I get more data, um, th- some things are contradicted, other things do not. Right. And the very fact that I have a, have recorded data uh, that goes back that far, I'm not making it up. Uh, I could I could make up something, but that that was barely as good a story as the one I dig up. So right, um, right. I'll go with the evidence that I have, and I don't say here believe this. That's up to you. And of course, I want to uh, retain that. I want to be able to wake up tomorrow and say, no, nah, I don't believe that shit. No, hmm. uh, I ain't buying it. I have that uh, that right every day, huh? Hmm. But I can't discount evidence. Hmm. And to ignore it is, seems to be foolish and rich. Would you say the evidence points more uh, in terms of millions of years? Or is are we talking, was it 400,000 you said? You know, I'll have to, I'll have to get out my book here. Uh, I think I can only speak back about 471,000 years. 440. Yeah, some I, I I can't I can't describe how things were before then. Well, in your book, you do have a timeline that begins eighty five thousand years ago with a meteor crater event. Well, yeah, that's like yesterday. Pardon? That's like yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's that's yesterday. And the Neanderthals. That's one of the Dorchester pot. I think it would take a take longer than that for right. for that to form. And right, right. So yes, I believe that there there has been civilization here and a very high civilization. They knew what our universe was. They knew it all. But you know, some some detractors they try to dismiss the ancient anomalies with the, the go to excuse aliens. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, if there's something ancient and advanced, is always aliens in their mind. What do you say? I would like to be able to to dismiss aliens altogether, Al. But as I told you, among my uh, son's mother's people, those are the stories handed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, among stories that, that these cuneiforms uh, tell. If we are to believe them, they talk about technologies and they do it in such detail mm. and in ways that nobody could nobody could invent this. Nobody could be so accurate in what in what the, the way things would turn out. Mm. The things that we learned about uh, the ruby laser and about uh, the format crystal, a uh, silicon crystal uh, for electric chips smartphones and stuff conductors yeah, yeah. what about the, yeah. what about the crystal skulls i have to ask you about that do you have any take on that i uh, that, that is totally uh it, that's out of, outside of my room i'm not a crystal uh okay okay good what about well, uh, before before we move on i wanted to point out uh just within the mayan calendar right i mean we have a we have long cycles yeah, uh, we have the Hablat, which is twelve million eight hundred thousand base twenty units. Okay, uh, and a unit is base twenty. So you got twenty times twelve million eight hundred thousand, or sorry, twelve billion eight hundred million. 
Those are days. Yeah, I mean, that's impressive if you're talking years. If you're talking seconds, it's not that impressive. No, no, it's not seconds. Those are days, right? So, oh, days. So okay. 365.25. Okay, okay. So that's cycles that are 700,889,801.5 days long or years long. Jeez. And that's not the accurate number because, you know, if you divide it by 365.25, you're still not dealing with the quarter hours that are in that, right. that whole system, too. So, but those are, that's the longest cycle. And then you've got the Alu, which is 64 million, the Kinchil, 3,200,000. Cabal, when, when Lauren finally gets around to those numbers, look out. <laughs> <laughs> but he's dealing with so much already just in the base notes, right? Which is those. Those base numbers, which are embedded in the uh, calendar system that uh, many listeners are probably familiar with just on the basis of the fact of the uh, 2012 phenomena. Let's actually get to that, Lauren, if you don't mind, guys. Um, the, new, the new date? Yeah, like what, well, let, let's run through a bit of a, a thought experiment on how you came to your conclusions around a potentially more accurate date. And then we'll talk about that date a little bit. And obviously, obviously, he has to disclose that date because people are sitting on the edge of the chairs wanting all that. Right? So, <laughs> don't take it away. Lauren. The floor is yours, uh, Lauren. Mm. Okay, um, I really don't know where to start here. Like when I did was, I took the figures that the experts were giving me, and I started playing with them, and I realized what they had done. But as I went through the literature, I realized that they had forgotten about the days thrown out. And if you divide their figure of 5,125 years for a world age, you will see that it is 52 units of 360 days. And they simply forgot about the days that were thrown out. Well, when you do the math, you realize that it's not only those five days each year that they have thrown out. Can you still hear me? Yes. Yes. Go on. We're listening. So there are five days for 52 years would be 260 days. And then you also have this quarter day. And one quarter day times 52 years is 13 whole days. So you have... a uh, 5,200 years, which is 100 units of 52. Mm-hmm. So you wind up there with 27,300 days that they have left out of the world age. Wow. And if you do the math on that, you realize that that's 75 years. And so if you add that 75 years, it turns out to be 5,200 years, which works out perfectly in the fractal. And, you know, uh, has it ever occurred to you, uh, it's interesting, Stacey, that they calculated a mile to be 5,280 feet? Yeah, this is this is where the math starts to wear all these different hats. This is the this is the rabbit hole. (laughs) So And, and that same phenomenon with 80 feet or 80 years or 0.08 day. That just keeps happening like crazy, and um, oh, oh, here's one for here's one for Al. <laughs> uh, you you were talking one day, and you were you ask about uh, someone if they had ever had any dreams in their sleep that uh, that um, that guided them on. Right. And uh, I was headed for the couch one night here. Uh, I don't know, a couple months back, months back, 
And I was already going into dream time. My head hadn't hit the pillow yet, but I was headed for dream time. Mm-hmm. And a voice in my head said, are you still there? And I said, yeah, what's up? And the voice said, I got a message for you. And I said, a message? Yeah, from your subconscious. I said, well, what, what, what is it? And the message said, well, you know that 0.08 day or 80 feet or 80 miles or 8 hertz or that you've been encountering in the research? And I said, yeah. I said, well, take a look at the fractal of 13. So I got unawake, or I got awake real quick and went and wrote it out. And I divided uh, 13 into 6.5 and then into 3.25 and then into 1.625 and then 8.125. Ah, that's half of pi. Mm. And that's all in fractal of 13. And so I thought, this is great. This is just, this is just great. Um, so I don't know, a week or two went by, and I was headed for the, my, my head hadn't hit the pillow yet. And just up for a lark, I said, are you still there? And the voice said, yeah, it's pretty neat, huh? <laughs> I said, yeah, it was. And the voice said, well, maybe you better look a little further down that road. So I scrambled up and did the math again. And I did I did this reductionist theory on the number 13. And I noticed something very strange happening with the numbers. And of course, this doesn't surprise me because I've really run into some things hard to wrap your mind around. But anyway, at 26 reductions, I was down to... 0.0000002. And so the 27th reduction was one millionth. And I thought, well, that's, that's remarkable. 13 reduced one million times mm-hmm. is, that's one millionth, thir- that's one millionth of 13. I, I still can't wrap my head around it, but the point that I'm trying to make is that there are more to these numbers mm. than 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 we you know we have this bandwidth uh, of about I don't know seven or eight things that we can hold in consciousness at one time and without dropping one of them to pick up another uh, another line of thought and so we're like monkeys really <laughs> I mean we can. You know, we're like kittens. Yeah. We drag a string in front of us and get our attention, and you know, our mind's gone. So, the way we were engineered, the way the bandwidth that we were given, we're not allowed to get that dangerous. And this has to do with that whole story of the Tower of Babel. Mm. And I don't, has been explained sufficiently yet, but the role of language in this. The role of language is there's more to that than meets the ear. Absolutely. Uh, I need to comment uh, this back to you, Lauren. And what I'm going to say now is going to be removed from the show. Uh, I'm going to tell you this uh, from a personal perspective, but I don't want it out there. (laughs) It's going to be be edited out. (laughs) 
goes back to Egypt and then Atlantis. But here's the thing. The school, the normal school in society, treats numbers like slaughter factories treats animals. <laughs> yes, you can eat you you can eat animals, but that's obviously not their only value, right? <laughs> and the same with the ma- with numbers. Mathematics, the quantitization of things isn't everything. There's also a quality to numbers to relate to those numbers through non-rational approaches. Like uh, creative stuff, you know, music, colors, whatever, f- just to l- studying the shapes of the numbers. And then we It's like a system. And when you use that, every number in the world, every ma- mathematical operation, every manifestation of numbers like, like sound, vision, anything can be uh, used to account for that. And you see a lot of shortcuts that are not logical or rational, but they come out as the same way as if you did it as a rational mathematical operation. Uh, a basic example of that is what's called um, uh, Pythagorean reduction, which is when you have a huge number, if you reduce it to its core, like th- three. I use that. Yeah, right. So, so yeah, so that's a shortcut. So there's two different ways of operating. It's the logical right brain way and it's the intuitive left brain way. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I would love to sit down with you and, you know, on a personal level. And we could maybe exchange something, right? But that's not possible, you know, the way we're rigged here with microphones and stuff. So that's that's uh, just something I wanted to throw in there so you understand that I understand where you're coming from. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. You, you hit upon an idea there that um, I'm inclined to believe that our whole thinking is upside down that at one time there was one language that that connected all of these things. Exactly. And when we started taking it apart and separating it into different um, things that we consider to be different elements, the whole sense of it falls apart. But there was an understanding of how geometry and, and numbers and colors and, and sound waves how these things all relate. Yeah. And we were denied that at one point, perhaps because we are fearsome creatures. Well, I won't go down that road, but uh, yes, I believe what you're saying. And even plants. Uh, uh, I know the ancients were classifying plants in accordance with the same key that they used for vibrations in general, like of course you have seven plus five, right? Which is the basic tone scale or the piano. And um, uh, the thing is, you can put what, what we call what you in English. In English, you, when you say the elements, you're talking about physical. Um, we call it uh, base material, but you, I think you call it the elements, which is uh-huh. like helium, yeah. carbon. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff can also be classified at at the same key in the vibrational scale. You can do the same with, uh, like I said, plants. You can do the same with the. Uh, you know, the spine is like a piano, mm-hmm. where you have whole notes and half notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so m- It's a fractals, right? Fractals are everywhere. That means that we live in a universe which is uh, as above, so below. It's called, um, uh, what's it called? When things repeat itself like that. Conformal symmetry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's divine symmetry, basically. So, 
So yeah, so that's great. But let's let's move on in the show. Uh, you mentioned uh, yourself, Sitchin and the Babylonian stuff. Uh, what what is your uh, take on the Stones of Destiny? Well, that is that is crucial uh, because listen, this technology that they are talking about, they talk about medical technology there that can not only uh, sustain life but rejuvenate life, vibrate, uh, d- doing things. Shooting um, electricity or plasma through these various gemstones and creating vibrational waves that do all sorts of things. And I do believe that that had something to do with why we wanted to go into Iraq Mm -hmm. and uh, perhaps even uh, some other places. I do think that um, they think they can weaponize some of this stuff and indeed perhaps they have and, uh, and can. Mm. I was going to uh, ask you what you thought of Eric von Deniken. Did you? Are you in with Eric von Deniken? Uh, you know, I, like I told you, I would like to tell you that everything you see is a Nazi or a <laughs> Department of Defense. Uh, you know, that didn't come from another world. That came from right here. I would want to tell you that, but at the same time, I've got all of these accounts of um, you know written in clay. Uh, thousands of years old that tell another story. Uh, my sons, uh, people, they tell another story. Uh, people everywhere, you know. Uh, I've just been collecting evidence so that I could make a an informed decision. Uh, it's very arrogant for us to think that we are the only ones, but until I see somebody from another world, I'm going to be very suspicious. I mean, everybody agrees that, that, that the universe is teeming with life. The big question is, did we have our own advanced civilization or are we like children and everything we got came from someone else? And even if people think it came from someone else that were more advanced than us, it doesn't solve anything. It's still the chicken and the egg because they at some point became advanced, right? So the more spiritual or theosophical approach to this question, I mean, the more materialistic approach is, yes, it's physically spermognostics. uh, I mean, uh, uh, spermogenesis that, yeah, it came from someone else. But the more theosophical spiritual approach is that the so-called aliens are, are not aliens. They are like cosmic masters and that we are materializing into the universe. Uh, I mean, in the universe, when people are coming in, it's not just that someone is coming from somewhere else. Because, again, we need to have come up with an origin, right? Yep. But if things are materializing into being, then there can be a, it can still be a question of contact. It's the same with uh, we talked about earlier in Americas versus the rest of the world, right? Do they have a common origin? Fine. But also they had contact after that. And it can be like that with aliens too. We can have, everyone can come into being by materialization gradually. And there can also be communication in addition. So these are just some curveballs I'm throwing out there. I don't, I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it's just so you see where I'm going with this question. And you feel free to answer it exactly as you want. What was the question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the question was... Are we basically, did we have our own advanced civilization or did everything we got come from uh, someone else? Because you, you have the, obviously, the elongated skulls in South America 
that many people think are a result of hybridis hybridization with aliens. And some uh, think, no, even though there may be aliens and we may have contact with aliens, we actually hail from an advanced civilization. Egypt is a fragment of that. India is a fragment of that. And maybe Maya too. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I tell you what, I, I, uh, I have this, what Stacy calls uh, an animistic approach to all this. Mm. But the older I get, the more I'm inclined to believe that just like this uh, space guy dancing in the wind, that we are a frequency. And just the same way that quarks and bosons pop into this uh, world from another dimension, we pop in here too. Mm. And uh, we experience life for a while, and then we pop out. And it's a frequency. Mm. This, is a, this is all governed by um, a mathematics uh, and a technology, and I can easily see where the whole thing is programmed. It's, it's could, a, could we call it a divine algorithm? Well, yeah, you certainly could. You certainly could. You know, uh, I remember one time going to, uh, I was in San Francisco, and somebody took me to this place, and they had a, they were some, I don't know how they uh, excited the light, but they shot the light through a ruby crystal, uh, a laser beam, and they were scoring these um, giant uh, fiberglass cylinders. And after I watched them do this for a while, uh, I went up and I looked at one of these cylinders. And you could walk around the cylinder and the person inside the cylinder would dance and talk to you um, just as if they were moving. But it is all refracted light. And the light was cut by a computer program. Photograph just that pixel and that bandwidth, and and I saw, whoa, uh, this is a representation of a moving person, and it, it, it's all the technology to create us is all here, and all somebody has to do is uh, have that technology, and you can create a world, right? Uh, and are we that, Stacy? You remember the cartoon I sent you? Mm, no, but the thing that jumps to mind right now is the name of BlackRock investment uh, firm in relation to the Sumerian tablets and the uh, and the uh, and the uh, technology that is described in those tablets. Well, <laughs> I don't know whether you noticed, but the the gal is asking uh, my cartoon character if he thinks this is a hologram, and he says, "Nah." This is totally three-dimensional. But on the wall, you see his shadow. And it's the shadow of a chimpanzee holding up six fingers. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the simulation theory, actually. Well, listen, it could all be simulated. I, 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 can't, I can't deny that. And uh, somebody... But, but maybe that's just that's a language problem, right? What does that even mean? Yeah, we may be simulated, but it doesn't mean we are in a computer. We may be simulated uh, by the same principle as a computer would do it, but we, we, it's another medium than 
uh, electricity in a computer, if you see what I mean. So it may be. Well, I think I think I think that this goes back to the whole electric universe concept and the fact that we are frequency, right? Which right. is the the linchpin of what what Lauren is saying. I yes. think you're. Am yes. I right, Lauren? Am I saying? Am I pointing out the right thing there? <laughs> no, frequency is a better word. Uh. But but tell me this, Lauren, because people want to know. Yeah. Associated with cycles ending and new beginning are always catastrophes. And in this um, Judeo-Christian culture of ours, people are brainwashed by thinking that there's no such thing as cycles. It begins bad and primitive, and then we end either in a complete enlightenment or a total collapse. And so especially the collapse fear is ingrained in Christian people. So in you saw many people were, were panicking in 2012, right? Ridiculous. But uh, not, not because it's not ridiculous that something bad would happen. But I mean, how can you overcome it by panicking? <laughs> anyway, so I well, think anybody who's into Dan Burris should probably thinks we're on timeline two right now. That's probably what they think. The other hand, <laughs> hang on, let me just phrase the question. So the question is basically, people will listen to this. We are long gone. We are long gone. But prior to 2087, someone will listen to this. Now, can you give them, uh, I don't know, your, your thoughts about what they can expect? What does the law say? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, he can. Okay, let's hear it. All right. Well, in the Aztec calendar, the symbol for this age that we are in is the symbol motion or earthquake. And that would indicate that this world age ends by earthquake. But in the Chilom Balam, he mentions, and I say he, I'm talking about uh, Lord Jaguar, the Jaguar priest, and he mentions what is uh, going to occur. Oh, wow. And he tells us that it will be 13 cycles, zero katoons, zero tunes, zero winals, zero kins since the beginning of the great cycle. And four Ahu, three Ken Kin, ninth Lord of the Night, Moon will be eight days old, third lunation in a series of six. What is to happen? The sky is then divided. The land is raised. And then there begins the book of the 13 gods. Then occurs the great flooding of the earth. Then arises the great Itzam Kabain, the ending of the word, the fold of the Katun. That is a flood, which will be the ending of the word of the cartoon. And that's what he has to say about that. Hmm. Well, I can't add more to that. Uh, no, but as I have looked at this, there is something in the numbers uh, that, that would lead me to believe that there is something, th that this is the end of a cycle. Hmm. Uh, I can't explain it better than that. I, I'd be bullshitting if I did. So mm. this is a, this goes back to the reason why we'd like to map this out in a uh, proper way to ensure that that end date is fundamentally accurate. Because one of the key issues is that is the start date that we're working with accurate. Right. And right. based on our discussions that uh, you know that Lauren and I have had, we both agree that the way they've calculated the start date is a bunch of bogus. And that's sort of back to that food fight that uh, he was mentioning earlier. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, where they were all jockeying for position academically, right? You know, who is going to be accredited with uh, this, that, and the other thing moving forward, so-and-so, and blah, blah, blah. And, Here, here's uh, something that we should think about. 
and that is this: uh, in the in the stories that the that the Anunnaki um, in the, those Sumerian stories, it tells us that they were displeased with what was going on here, and contrary to what our religious texts tell us, that it was our fault that we were making too much noise and disturbing these guys. It was what they were doing uh, that was uh, disturbing things and creating giants and monsters that were creating all this problem. But to get rid of the problem, they were going to let the human beings uh, die in a flood that would occur when Nibiru returned. They knew the great inertia, uh, or pardon me, the great gravitational pull of uh, Nibiru when it came through was going to pull the ice sheets off the poles and there was going to be a great flood, and they decided that they would not tell the human beings. And, of course, uh, we know from those stories that Inky did divulge to Utnapishnim yes. uh, that this was going to occur and how he might avoid it and, and like that. So when I see these numbers doing what they're doing, and, and it, it bring me back to this if I don't, if I, if I wander away from it for a moment. Mm-hmm. But when I see what these numbers are doing, it, it would lead me to believe that, yes, there is something uh, cyclic about this, and it could be devastating. For example, if you, take, uh, if you take some of these numbers and do that reduction theory on them, I would stop generally at one day because I couldn't go any farther than one day. And I would find out that I could not do more than 13 reductions on one of these numbers without um, getting to less than one day. So I would stop there and Mm. would always be 13 or or less, but never more than 13. Mm. And I wonder, oh, you know, how can that be? But then I went back and I thought, well, Okay, let's see what this reduction would look like. And so I did it from that on down, and I realized that uh, that from a 24-hour day, you're going to have a 12-hour day, six hours of daylight and six hours of, of darkness. And then the next day, you're going to have a six-hour day, three hours of light and three hours of darkness. And so I thought, well, wait a minute. How could you have three hours of light and of darkness? Either the sun is not holding you in, mm-hmm. or you have flown out of orbit and you're getting farther away from the sun. And and of course it reduces very quickly to you know 15 minutes and then 15 mm. seconds and you're out there in space. Mm. So either either we are out of orbit and not in the gravitational pull of the sun. Or the sun has collapsed and it no longer exercises a gravitational pull. So uh, seeing what these numbers mean uh, is uh, it's difficult for me to uh, comprehend. I want to be honest about this. Tell everybody what I can, mm. uh, but not make anything up. I'm, I'm mm. not uh, I'm not in this to sensationalize anything. This is for everyone to be their own best judge about it. You can decide what to believe and what not to believe, mm. but not to be informed, that's uh, that's a sin. Yeah, it is it's, It is almost a crime in today's society. You were forgiven in the old days, but today, ignorance is a choice. 
uh, well, they are making us ignorant. They are dumbing us down with all this. Uh, it's true, but we have, uh, we have access to information now that wasn't possible before. So at any given, I mean, it is, I'm choosing to be ignorant about, uh, let's say, weaving, because I know nothing about it and I'm not exploring it. But then I don't pretend to be an expert about it either, right? Problem today is people talk out of their asses. They think they're experts. They think opinions are facts and they choose. Are you talking about weaving? No, that was just an example. But you were talking about planets, right? And um, by the way, when you say Nibiru, it sounds to me you're suggesting that that may be... I mean, there would probably be earthquake provoked by something like Nibiru approaching, right? So a meteorite, a heavenly body, that's a common outcome. But in your list of planetary data, just a heads up here, you should add there's one planet which is glimmering with its absence. Can you guess which one? No. And you even have Aries here, so... Uh, well, you should. Are you familiar with the Titus Bode law? No. Speaking of number symmetry. No. Well, the Titus Bode law is brilliant. It was uh, a mystical minded scientist 100 years ago uh, who came up. Well, there were two of them it was Titus and it was Bode. Bode. I don't know how you say it in English. And they found out you could calculate the harmonic distance bet- f- uh, from the sun for every planet. They came yes. up. Yes, yes. You know this algorithm, right? Yes. And according to this, this is actually how they discovered some of the outermost planets like Neptune, I think, and maybe Pluto too. But the interesting thing is, according to this uh, system, there should be a planet between uh, Mars and Jupiter. And indeed, there is a planet there. Because according to Dr. Tom Van Flandern, it exploded millions of years ago. And the biggest chunk of it, yes. it's the asteroid belt, right? And the biggest chunk is is what they called Ceres, I think. Yes. So I believe you should have that in because... The biggest chunk of it, that was Tiamat, and the biggest chunk of it is us. Oh, wow, really? Okay, so you think the Earth comes out of the uh, asteroid belt, it's connected. Well, uh, according to the testimony that we have, it, it, I mean, uh, this interpretation could be wrong, but it looks as though um, one of the moons or the, the, what they call the, uh, the, wrist, the wristband or the bracelet mm-hmm. of Nibiru uh, whacked Tiamat and uh, half of that became an asteroid belt and the other half of that uh, swung over here into uh, th- that we are the other half of that planet. Right. Uh, that Interesting. That is the best information I have on that. But I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not really an expert on that ancient lore. I'm very interested in these, uh, these texts because yeah. we need to look at these texts, but they have been so poorly interpreted. The people who did the interpretation have imposed their own paradigm on what could be possible and really dumbed down the text for it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm upset about that. And I'm upset that when I can't go and find these extra, uh, these excellent authors like uh, Alan Wilson and Baron Blackett, these guys have written a ton of re- like uh, Moses and the Hieroglyphs. The volumes these guys have produced is extraordinary. Uh, people should read their work. It's another history of the world. Um, I don't know what I can say, but I, I've learned a whole lot about the peopling of the Isles and who did that and uh, what they were up to. 
and how that uh, is at work in our world today. Mm. Uh, okay, so let me ask you this then. S- someone who is so well studied and knowledgeable as you, Lauren, surely you must have tried to compare the Mayan calendar system with other ancient systems like the Greek or the Indian. Yes. So w- what is your uh, verdict of that? Uh, well, let me tell you. I have come to the opinion that this 260-day calendar is a totally an American convention. I believe that the long count, however, is an adaptation of the 12 signs of the zodiac from Samaria. Right. This concept, when they found out that we are receding one degree each 72 years through the zodiac, they were able to calculate 360 degrees and find out that was 25,920 years, which is, again, that 80-year difference there uh, from 26,000, 25,920 years. But you can take that figure, 30 divided into 360, uh, is, uh, or pardon me, 12 divided into 360 gives you 30 degrees. So they knew they were able to calculate what two houses were, what uh, three, what four. And when you start calculating that, again, you run into this thing. Well, that's 13 days away from the um, revolution of uh, Saturn. Hey, this is uh, 13 more days than uh, the synodical cycle of. Um, anyway, and it's, so, and you get these numbers that like, like you get 864,000. And of course, I reckon that to be 865 and 358, I think maybe. Is that the diameter of the sun? A, a thousand miles off or a hundred miles off or 0.25, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's like it's like just throw a quarter of a day in there and you'll fool these monkeys. Uh, they'll they'll forget about it and go home. <laughs> but but the question was the question was uh, will will you say that for example the the Greek or the Indian system is uh, unveiling aspects of the same divine algorithm as Samayan did. Well. To the degree, uh, we know that the Sumerians were here, and so I can account for the adoption of the 12 houses of the Zodiac in the 360-degree calendar as a convention from the old world, which I, I believe... Oh, oh so, so before the Sumerian came, they didn't have it? Uh, I have nobody to say that they didn't, but since I can prove they were here right, right. and that they did not have the 260-day calendar, I can see they were using the 12 houses and the 360 degrees. And and making that jump, you see, like two years would be 730 days. But if you took that 72 years to move one degree, then you're in the fractal of, of, um, of 12 What's um, like the cartoon goes from one year, uh, one ton 
at 365 days, that when they amended that to 360 days, then two years could be 720 days. And then you're in the fractal of 72 years. Mm. And so by, by making that adjustment, they were able to bring the procession of the equinox under the same tent as the year and the day. So it, that is a convention to bring all three together in one mathematical calculation. And they weren't concerned, well, that five days was just a pain in the ass anyway. And uh, we got the 13-day ceremony to take care of the fractions. So uh, we're just fine with 360 days. We don't need to think about them. Well, they didn't. But we do if we're going to do an accurate uh, equivalency computation. Okay, so if you manage to do, if you get Cliff on board or something uh, to generate this, you should be managed to superimpose other calendar systems onto this then. Of course, the one we use today, but also the Eastern one, right? Al, one more thing I wanted to mention to you. Yeah. You know ancient Baalbek? <laughs> I don't know it, but... In Lebanon? Right, yeah. Well, the, uh, according to according to Sitchin, mm-hmm. this was the launch pad for ships going to another world. Right. And Gilgamesh, because he was two-thirds Anunnaki, uh, he wanted to be immortal too. And so he went to his mother and said, you know, hey, I want some of this immortality. And she said, well, you would have to go to our home planet to do that. So that's what his great impetus to go to the cedars of Lebanon were. It wasn't the cedars that he wanted. He wanted a passage on a spaceship. Right, right. And uh, when he went up there and he tore the place up, and uh, of course that didn't bode well. They took the life of his friend and like that. But that, you know what Belbeck is? You know another name for Belbeck? No. Heliopolis. Ah. The Greeks got their knowledge directly from the Sumerians. Right. They are a. They are an outgrowth of that school of wisdom, and likewise are the Egyptians. Yeah, but but uh, could you and Stacey, do you have the competence to, if you manage to get this into an alg- to a database, could you superimpose the Indian calendar and the ancient Greek calendar to harmonize it with the Mayan? Is that possible? Do we have enough knowledge to? Well, I haven't looked at those calendars. I, I couldn't no. say. Well, no, okay, no, but it, but it's data, right? And so that data has to be pegged to yeah. to to but I know this. phenomena, right? And okay. and once we do it for the Maya, all these things will start to appear if they're there. Exactly. This is the beauty of the out. This is the beauty of doing this project. Appeared here five hundred to thousand years before it appeared in India. And um, fifteen hundred years before it appeared in uh, in Europe, what was that? The zero. Oh, the zero. Yeah, you have a chapter about the importance of the zero. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, uh, Stacy talked a little about that, but what you didn't address, I think, was the stones of destiny. I think we went off on a on a detour there. You want me to talk about the stones of destiny? Yes, please. You complete that thread. This is key to our understanding right now. If such a thing exists, and uh, uh, science is telling us that it does, Mm -hmm. this, you know, the the DOD has just taken this over, uh, and it's hush-hush, and uh, we don't know what they have found and what kind of technologies they are uh, developing and using. Uh, 
the Department of Defense has his first crack at it. But the, the technology for energy is there. These people had it. Uh, they tell us all about it. Mm. And the, the medical aspects of it are phenomenal. Mm. Okay. So it's advanced technology that can be used destructively or constructively? Well, I'm sure they're uh, investigating, you know, weaponizing it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Okay. Uh, by the way, you mentioned the 72 system. Um, it just struck me that we're talking about tarot, right? So if you add, you know, the four suits, I think you call it in English, yeah. the four elements, if you add to that the major arcana, the 21 mm-hmm. uh, base cards, then you get 72. Wait a minute, isn't it 73? No, because the fool is zero and shouldn't be counted. So it's it, this, the fool is like the jokers, right? The jokers in the ordinary card system. So you get 72 Wonderful. when you have uh, the tarot. If you only have the playing cards, then it's 52. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Right? I know. That's why I mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so if, yeah. If you were going to have uh, a, a crew of uh, people here taking care of things, a game using that that system would familiarize you with uh, with how things work here. And there are probably other tricks that you haven't described that are a part of that system. Oh, indeed. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, we could talk forever about these things, right? I mean, what, what you just said about uh, you don't count the, the zero because uh, that, that's not a number. and uh, Exactly. And that is a, a, a great excuse from jumping from 73 to 72. You get to use this uh, 12-ordered system. And, uh, yeah, but, but it's, it's the same all over. For example, if you want to reduce the number 360 to its root number, it's 3 plus 6 plus 0, right? So that's 9. So then you know 360 is related to uh, the cycle of 9. But but it's the same there. Why didn't you include a zero? Because zero is absence, mm-hmm. and the fool. It's like it's the same in the in the great key of Pythagoras. He talks about ten dots, ten points. But number ten is the same as number one. It's just a zero after it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same principle starting to repeat itself with ten. So you really just have nine arch numbers. But then you have zero in addition as. Like a, like a standalone or an extra, but you can't discount it and say we can't include it because then we can't get to 10 because 10 is 1 plus 0. So it, it belongs there and it doesn't belong there. It's, it's weird. It's hard to explain, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, some of these things are hard to wrap your mind around. Actually, that's yeah. something that um, I've been playing with when I've been creating a new calendar tool if you will and i put zero in there alongside one to 20 so zero to 19 versus one to 20 i put them side by side because well i don't know the mystery and so it's important to put them there so people can play with it and that's something that that uh, lauren and i have kind of argued a little bit about but basically i just put it in there so that people can play with it at least and start coming up with their own Mathematics and playing with it, and then seeing how it points out mm. different things. Because um, if you don't play with it, you can't you can't really figure out what it is. Um, Where did you do this? Oh, it's in a tool that I've uh, made available on uh, mysticsofthemaya.com. Essentially, you can download it yeah. and and uh, play with this tool, and it's just a recreation of the popular Zolkeen calendar that's been passed around for a long time, but sort of tries to 
one, get closer to the indigenous meanings um, behind the symbols and the math, injecting their re-injecting uh, more authentic indigenous concepts into it. Uh, because, you know, anybody who's familiar with the Mayan calendar from the 2012 era, uh, they're probably familiar with Jose Arguelles, for instance. Yeah. And Jose did a little bit or tried a little bit to um, reconcile a variety of calendars around the world into one syncopated rhythm, but he was working with the wrong start date. Exactly. I don't trust his data. He also followed the, the academic um, uh, mishap that, that Lauren identified mm. and so on. So you can basically toss it out. But the the methodology, this the the tool that was created and passed around is still valuable if you can get on to the right the principle, yes. Yeah, if you can get on to the right sync right rhythm, then it's it's the key. Right to time, but that's the same. We talked about this British uh, guy. Um, what's his name? Maurice Cotterell. Yeah. Remember, it's the same situation there. Yeah, Cotterell. Yeah, he yeah. may have his data wrong, but the principle may be right. Sure, and I, I, I give more credit to Cotterell. I mean, uh, Arguelles was a guru. He wanted to be a guru. He wanted to be known for doing something really new agey and stuff. And I mean, he did his harmonic convergence in 87, which was very successful, and that was his launch point. Mm. And then he seized onto the Mayan calendar and called himself a shaman, so you got to run, right? Just like Lauren said. Mm. Mm. Um, but unsuspecting, naive people, which is essentially the whole world in relation to this uh, calendar system, mm. uh, they got duped, right? Mm. The whole world was duped. It was a big con. Hyped. Uh, everybody jumped on, and uh, a lot of ad dollars were made, but not much else. Mm. And, um, you know, and so even though it's past, supposedly past its uh, expiration date, you know, when I talk to the average person, they say, why do I care about mm. the Mayan calendar? Well, you care because, you know, you're, you're basically adrift in time. And if we don't get that sorted out, we are going to end up on timeline two, <laughs> so to speak, where the, where the catastrophe is. Just in. to be able to, just a mind-blowing concept of being able to determine when we are in existence. Is, um, That's a really nice. good way to say it. Yeah. When are we in? Yeah, yeah, when are we exactly? Yeah, yeah, as opposed to where. <laughs> and and that's why I also asked about where, right? I want to know both, but uh, I mean the masculine and the feminine. Well, they go hand in hand. They, they do. I know they do. They go hand in it, hand. It, that's why you never can travel in space without also traveling in time. People tend to forget that. But going back to the concept of zero and why it's so important, it's not that it's important in the sense of its concept. What's really striking is that the concept of zero enters the Mayan system two, three, four, five, I don't even know, like five, maybe 10, maybe 15, 20,000 years before so-called Western... Yeah, but hang uh, on. European... Hang on, I don't buy into that because the, the Western has the same roots. It's, it comes all goes back to... The, Atlantis sure, knew this, sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. So it's but just, in terms of the... It's just the eldest trace yeah. we're talking about here. But if we had the traces perfectly uh, conserved, we would see... Mm-hmm. A huge decline, of course, but but uh, uh, universally uh, all, all over the globe, there would be a decline and some retained better. Like Sumerians were good at mm-hmm. retaining info about astronomy and stuff like that. So they had different things they prioritized of conserving, but I believe it all went back to the common source. I agree. So, so to say this is older and this is younger is kind of a moot exercise. We're just talking about the orthodox yes, academic yes. version of history, right? That's all we're talking about. Yes. Okay. And, and and it's just a keystone to or a key to unlocking and cracking people out of that mental prison, mm. right? Is is to say, hey, look, uh, your your idea of things about your your hegemony, your intellectual hegemony of the world, from this Eurocentric perspective, mm. is inaccurate. 
And, and then, of course, eventually you can come around to what you just described, which is that there's this primal, primordial civilization that may or may not be indigenous to this planet. We don't know, mm. you know, but, but what Lauren has uncovered is that the mathematics embedded in the calendar system of the Maya, the way it's been passed down to us as Mayan, is a keystone to when are we? Mm. <laughs> mm. Right? It's just brilliant. Imagine the scientific breakthrough that could come just by knowing, identifying that little factoid. See, you're starting to get it. You're yeah. starting to get it. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, the things that would happen scientifically, probably even interdimensionally. You know? I'll tell you, the first thing that happens is our space brothers will descend a la Star Trek and say, welcome to adulthood, welcome to maturity. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think they'd have to see our behavior change right, drastically, right. which is, I think, what we're dealing with right now, uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the problem, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Okay, gentlemen. I don't think I'll be around when that happens. I don't no, think. maybe none of us will be. But I'll tell you, this show will be around. So you future... If we survive, and the the year is twenty eighty six, remember we remember where you heard it first <laughs> at Forum Borealis, <laughs> and it was via Lauren Jeffrey's excellent book, two hundred pages packed with information and beautiful illustrations. How can people get it? Um, dot com. Oh, really? There you go. Talk to the guy sitting beside you there. Oh, no, he's not beside you. <laughs> Virtually, he <laughs> Yeah, mystic, mysticsofthemaya.com. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's more uh, episodes of Lauren and I speaking about all of this and his book and just many other things on that uh, website as well. So for people who want to hear more of what Lauren has to say, uh, simply go to uh, mysticsofthemaya.com and click on the sacred calendar and and look at the content there yeah so that's where you can get it you don't have a website yourself lauren uh no i don't think i do <laughs> have you written articles surely you must have written articles you, you, can, uh, you can find some of my work at precontact.org uh the indigenous people's research foundation i also have a um interpretation of a mishtek Codex on YouTube. Uh, and actually, you can find a PDF, uh, a brief PDF on why the uh, 2012 date doesn't work. Right, Lauren? You can look up. How do you, how do they search for that? Actually, that's how I found Lauren. Oh, wow. uh, was was by searching up uh, 2012 and and um, people who had contradictory evidence to the to the you know to the system and uh, came across that short PDF. I think it's a two or three pager. And it really summarizes in succinct fashion uh, why this 2012 date is a bunch of BS. And, um, and, and not only why it's a bunch of BS, but exactly why. Uh, not just theoretical, but mathematically. Mm. And, um, and then uh, that's what led me to look for him and try and reach out to him just over a year ago or about a year and a half ago now. And uh, so you can look for that. And uh, yeah, there is a, a codex... Um, what, what codex was it? That was the Aztec codex or one of the Aztec codex. Which oh, one was a, it? That is a Mishtec codex. Oh, Mishtec, right. That was a Mishtec codex. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Perfect. So, your book, Lawrence Wee Jeffrey, The Sacred Count, The Fractal Calendar of Ancient Mesoamerica, that you can get at the website. Uh, Mysticsofthemaya.com. Yeah, mysticsofthemaya.com. That's where we've created a, a nice 
place for Lauren's work to live. And uh, there's other conversations that Lauren and I have had there that are available, hours of conversations that you can go through, uh, which get somewhat into the math. We've we've taken an approach of uh, going through each chapter one at a time. We've only done three so far, so there's lots to do. But um, Lauren's also been working on his second book, so you know, and I've been building the site. So it's oh like, yeah, last question. Um, yeah. yeah, last question uh, to Lauren is about the the second book. But but complete your your reasoning. No, no, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I was just trying to tell people that there's a lot of content there, not just uh, buy the book, but come over and listen to more, yeah, more of what Lauren has to say. Indeed, maybe even a web shop mm-hmm. uh, connected to Forum Royalis eventually. <clears throat> we'll, see. we'll see. We'll see what happens with your friend. Let's say. <laughs> okay. Let's see if he comes around. But Lauren, <laughs> in, in closing, Lauren, mm-hmm. could you answer that, address that? About the present book? Yes, your second yeah, book. The, yeah. uh, in the first book there, I was trying to explain how this calendar works, what they're really doing with it. And I discovered so many things in, in, in doing it that just exploded the subject. And so I had to investigate the solar system and the other planets and find out what's really going on and uh, what I've what I've discovered is I can't believe that this was all my world that that nobody else wants to play uh, because uh, there is a world of information there and it's really going to explode things when I unleash it if I can get it unleashed. Um, that yeah, the the present book is about our solar system and the pi and phi. And uh, the things that the Greeks tried to tell us about mathematics. It's also got uh, music theory and frequencies. And this is um, so, so there'll be this some has application <laughs> everywhere. Mm. So beautiful. It's going to change things. Right. I, I didn't quite catch the follow-up book. What that's that's on. The, the, the follow-up is the solar system and how the solar system is comported ah, with this calendar. I thought I thought that was the first book because certainly that's the subject here too. Well, the first book was principally explaining the calendar. Oh, okay. But the second book explains how the solar system is comporting with this and how the size of the Earth and the speed we're going and okay, now I get it. The just how well, there are, are these, all these things are part of this number system. Right, right, right. There are yeah. those aspects in the first book, but they're kind of, you know, in brief, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, look, point, point, point. Well, then, yeah, exactly. you know, the, the rabbit hole goes pretty deep, I'm, I'm, I'm finding. So uh, so he's, he's basically just uh, digging up more of the rabbit hole in, in part two then. Yeah. The consequences of the first book. Yeah, and explaining, it sounds like it's explaining how, but not only how and, and what, but why. Am I right, Lauren? Oh, that's a big one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still digging. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the end why. The why is a big one, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But my idea is that the more information that can be spread around, the better off we'll all be. Oh, I'm into that. Uh, I can't I can't explain the why of it, but uh, I can tell you what's going on. Good, good to know. Excellent. So, uh, uh, time just flies. I know it feels like we almost just begun, right? Yeah. But yeah. if you look at the time, we've gone for three and a half hours. Yeah. Wow. No yeah. kidding. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. I had a feeling all the time that we're just dancing around the introduction. We're, we're going to get to the meat now. We're going to get to the meat, but we have to get there by meticulously one step after another, right? And that 
bam, and then time uh, some kind of uh, yeah, we must live in a simulation because it's what do they call it in abductees when you time lapse? That's the word. It's yeah. been a time. Yeah, yeah. Lapse. they have missing time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have missing time. Missing yeah. time. <laughs> or like you say, time out of. Hours out of time, is that what you say in a Mayan calendar? Days out of oh, time. <laughs> days out of time. That's an Arguelles invention, but yeah, basically. Okay, minutes out of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, the concept there was he was trying to reconcile these days that were thrown out and include them in the calendar, but he right. completely fucked up the whole thing. So he, he just called them days out of time, and he went with the whole religious connotation as opposed to the mathematical relevance of it. Ah, um, that's helpful. Well, it's, it's, it's an important distinction, right? I mean, mm. he's trying to reconcile these things, but he has absolutely no idea what he's dealing with. And he doesn't have the background and understanding that Lauren has, and so he just makes up shit and throws it in. Right, right, right. And everybody goes, ooh, mystical, ooh, groovy, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, then, uh, and then it becomes, uh, you know, a phenomena, a cultural phenomena, and, and people buy into it because, well, they don't know either. And uh, they figure, this guy must know. Yeah, that's how it he's goes. He's the one who brought it to me. And I was in the same boat for a while uh, until I wised up. Yeah. Um, didn't take me too long to wise up. It happened long before 2012. But oh, okay. by the time 2012 came along, I was kind of one of those people standing at the edge of a cliff telling people not to run off the cliff. <laughs> but, but here we are in the same position all over the world. Now it's a worldwide thing and everything is life and death. And it's all, yeah, man. man, things have gone bad. Mm. So who knows? I mean, hopefully uh, we'll survive and um, good people will survive and uh, and some of this good information will just get lost in the wilderness of, of the future. Yeah, especially because... Did we, uh, yeah, go. Did we cover everything you wanted to, Al? What's that? Or you want to you play this again? Yeah, I think we need a follow-up at some point, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yes. you could literally tap Lauren for days and days and days, literally. I know. Yeah, and I could, too, but I've been so busy, and he's been so busy, so it's like, okay. Lauren, let's do three more hours when your second book is out. Okay. Is it is it far ahead, or how, how is it looking? That might be never. Uh, ah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I really I don't, I don't know whether I can get all that work done. I've got it written. I just need to word process it, but I'm... Oh, really? I can't do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that shouldn't be. Well, it's, if you have it written, well, then it will come. But you could also, you could also like publish some well, of it. This is the thing. This is why we need to push the sales of his book so we can put some money in his pocket so he can hire somebody to type it out. Those kinds of things, right? I mean, this right. is, right. you know, time is of the essence. His health is, sorry to say it, Lauren, but it, your health isn't that great as we know. No, but and, what, what uh, if people volunteer? What if we, we do a little appeal here now? If someone want to yes, help in out. In fact, in fact, that's perfect. Because because there's a Patreon account waiting to be exploited, but I haven't really driven any traffic towards it. But the project there is to facilitate and help Lauren get not only his second book done, but to create this software program that we're talking about. Right, with Cliff. I want to make it a public project. He has some reservations about that, but I think this is an important step, is that uh, we got to crowdsource some of the, the work, right? One res reservation, obviously, would be that you guys want to survive, right? 
I mean, uh, the deep states have six ways to Sunday to take you out. So. No, that's not the reservation. The reservation is, I don't know what the reservation is, to be honest. That's another discussion. But but the there is a reservation on making a public project. I don't think that's a problem. I think that's a good thing because sure. then we can work it out faster and we can get people submitting their money and their time to it. That's what I want to do on the Patreon. So, so, so people can either donate or if someone want to contribute to doing this. In, yeah, what, what, if they have the skills. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, things like that. I mean, it'll all have okay. to go through Lauren. Like he'll have to approve the person, but they can submit their 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 proposal for for help, cool. right? Cool. Uh, through the Patreon account, which I think is an ideal place because then people can just donate money and sort of track how the the project develops. And there's two things to that, and that is getting Lauren some support for the the, the finishing of a second book. And also the creation of this software program, which you know, and you get to read, uh, you get to read free samples of the book. <laughs> that's not bad. Well, that's up to learn, but but yeah, I mean, obviously, if there, if, well, obviously, yeah. if you're going to help, yeah. if you proofread, obviously, exactly, you do, right? Yeah, exactly. So anything that we can do to facilitate that is my intention there, and um, so it's up to learn if he wants to do it. But that's the idea that I have with uh, with the Patreon account and what I'd like to do there in terms of making it a public project is really just to crowdsource the energy required and the work required to finish these things. Is that all right, Lauren? Is what all right? You want to add something to what Stacy said? We are giving an appeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't see me putting my only copy of this into an envelope and sending it to anyone. I don't know how to proceed here, but I, I really should do something because uh, my health is failing. Mm-hmm. Is, this is the yeah, issue. I don't think you should send a manuscript. I'm thinking about, let's say someone says, I volunteer to proofread a chapter. Mm-hmm. Then you could send in Word format that yeah, chapter. Yeah, but this is the thing. He can't type it out. This is the issue, right? So oh, to, to, get it, to get it written. typed out, right. um, you know, he needs somebody to literally sit next to him, I think. Right. Um, you know, which which is an extraordinary donation of time and energy. But I think there's that person out. Yeah, poor bastard. Let's let's better pay him. Let's have a donation. That's my point, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. we so we go and we raise funds at the Patreon account, and that's what we do. We hire somebody to go and sit next to him and type it out and give him a little extra put assistance. A, right? Put a specific goal, money goal. I mean, this this isn't an unlimited expense. Patreon this. isn't crowdfunding. So um, oh, right. but Patreon okay. is a monthly. Right. So if we could hire somebody uh, and I don't know how big the book is, but let's say it's, uh, you know, three, four hundred pages. Right. And when you have it written out in a manuscript handwritten, I've looked at his handwriting. It's good. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. So it's not like it's going to be we're not going to need a decryptor. Uh, (laughs) So it's probably somebody who's who's adept at this and actually does this. uh, If we hire them for, say, you know, I don't know what it would cost to send them over there and sit down with him uh, for a period of time. But let's say three thousand a month for a couple months uh, run up. Is certainly going to be enough to find somebody in Do you his have to area. Someone, uh, there should be someone in Kentucky with that expertise. That's yeah. my point. There's going to be someone in his area that we yeah. can just say, hey, drive over on a daily or bi-weekly yeah. or whatever time frame Lauren wants to work with that would allow that to happen, I think would be excellent uh, acceleration and certainly make, make him happier and give him some company too because he's kind of out there in the middle of nowhere. So those are my thoughts on it. Right. Well, it's certainly been nice to talk with both of you today. Super. Now there's so much that I want to talk with you about. Uh, I hope we get a chance to this again soon. Absolutely. Let's stay in touch. Let's let's not wait for the second book after all. No. Okay. No, no, let's not wait. <laughs> let's hook up when this show is out.
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In a couple months or so. Yeah. Uh, but back to Lauren, I think that um, that Patreon thing, that would be great because yeah. that's already sitting there. It's ready. Like I already had one subscriber come in, but obviously he disappeared because I wasn't doing anything with it and adding any content to it. Plus, people um, need to see people haven't heard. They don't know who Lauren is, what he's writing about. They need some exactly, identifiers. Exactly. So so, there, so it's just been ready. It's just basically ready. What about publishing just a chapter for as a teaser? So that people know what they're dealing with here. I think that's a good market strategy. Well, he's got his first book already. So that's I mean, right. you know, of they course. can they can they can just pick up his first book as a, as a cost of entry, and that gives us some money to to play with in You're terms right. of getting somebody out there. Yeah. Okay. I hope uh, I hope uh, yeah. something will materialize in that direction, Lauren, with this show. Yes, that's indeed. Good idea. It will. It's just well, going to take some time, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. Lawrence V. Jeffries, everyone, and backed up by Stacey James Fry. Thank you, gentlemen, for, for doing the show with me today. Yeah, thanks. It's been great. Thank you very and, much. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Look forward to coming out. And, and everybody, please go to uh, mysticsofthemaya.com and, yeah. and get a little more familiar with Lawrence's work and pick up his book. Great. Okay, guys. All right. I'm off for today, then. Okay. Talk okay. to you, you soon, Lauren. Sure. Keep, Keep in touch. touch. Okay. Sure. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Have a great, Have a great day, now. day now. Yeah. Thanks, Al. Bye. Bye. All right. Ciao for now. And that's our show. I will now share some quotes with you right after I remind you that we have ceased announcing shows at social media. Some of you have been used to that, like our Facebook page or whatever. YouTube community page, even Instagram, but no, no. No, although we do still use Patreon, where we announce new releases to our website subscribers, you'll find those releases and all public releases at our website, at the front page of our website, as a matter of fact. Uh, but in addition to that, you can either join our news mail. You'll, you'll not get spammed. It's going to be a mail a month just listing releases of various types or simply join our telegram page of which link you can find at our website forumborealis.net and you'll you'll get all updates in real time um, both concerning public releases and for subscribers to our website and to become a subscriber to our website you simply sign up and then you donate whatever you want if you have means don't be cheap if you're poor, as little as a dollar, we also accept crypto. In fact, we especially prefer crypto. Now, some uh, times it happens, occasionally it happens that some people have trouble accessing our website. Usually it's because they haven't followed the instructions. That's just how it is. Uh, I understand people don't want to read the instructions, but... At least if you have a problem, then you should check the instructions first. It's not complicated. It's three simple steps. Now, if that doesn't work, of course, contact us. Uh, but be mindful that I'm not reading mails. People write us. We're overwhelmed with mails, actually. But people think, oh, everyone's addressing me as if I don't have anything other to do than corresponding with people. I wouldn't even be able to produce the few shows we do manage to do if I had to bother with payment stuff and subscribers and all that. So be mindful that I have a team of volunteers and uh, 
they they they're not we're not professionals they're not sitting there around the clock getting paid for putting up with so angry males because something is wrong just isn't appropriate um they will probably it can be frustrating having to wait maybe up to a week or 10 days before a new application to our website is accepted but as soon as they do get around to it they will uh, get to it and look don't donate if you don't think we deserve it it has happened a handful of times people have demanded their donation back and uh, usually they use paypal and that then we have to pay so if you want to bankrupt us you donate many times and large amounts and then you demand them back and uh, we end up going in minus of course that's not the intention of those who do, does it but it's a brilliant ploy for the deep state to take us down <laughs> you hear but uh, all i'm saying is be patient and they will get around to you when they can and in those few cases where you have to wait, usually it takes a day, two, three. But uh, be patient if not, because my team is doing the best they can. Now, inspired by Lauren's visit, I have gathered some adages, quotes and words of wisdom from across Native American tribes. Let's enjoy and ponder them together. When a child... My mother taught me the legends of our people, taught me of the sun and sky, the moon and stars, the clouds and storms. She also taught me to kneel and pray to the Great Spirit for strength, health, wisdom and protection. The Great Spirit is in all things. He is in the air we breathe. The Great Spirit is our father, but the earth is our mother. She nourishes us. That which we put into the ground, she returns to us. Regard heaven as your father, earth as your mother, and all things as your brothers and sisters. Honor the sacred, honor the earth, our mother, honor the elders, honor all with whom we share the earth, four-legged, two-legged, winged ones, swimmers, crawlers, plant and rock people, walk in balance and beauty. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. We will be known forever by the tracks we leave. If we wander often, the gift of knowledge will come. If a man is uh, as wise as a serpent, he can afford to be as harmless as a dove. It is not good enough to cry peace. We must act peace, live peace, and live in peace. When a man moves away from nature, his heart becomes hard. A people without a history is like the wind over buffalo grass. When the earth is sick, the animals will begin to disappear. When that happens... The warriors of the rainbow will come to save them. And we've reached the top of the hour. Thanks again to Lauren and Stacy, and thanks to you for supporting the forum. For that reason, I've been your host, Al, minding you that when people ignore history, 
We have no past and no future. Be seeing you. you. number one.